Abundance of love Abundance of grace Now to that cross You took my place Oh God You paid my ransom My ransom Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Let's go to the Word tonight. I want to read one verse before I pray out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. It's on the screen. You don't have to look it up. The Bible says, Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. I want to talk to you tonight from a Bible study title, We Need to Pray. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word, God. I thank you for each person who's come out tonight, Lord. We thank you for the ones who are in children's church, Lord, for the ones who are in youth tonight, God. God, I thank you for each person who's in this room, Lord. I pray all over this facility, God, and all over these grounds tonight that you'd be glorified. Teach us from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Always know that every time we meet, we have nursery for babies. We have an, a separate building. Some of y'all have never even been to. you got to go all the way down to the other end, past the two-story building, the original church building that was here when the original church opened up on this location. Uh, is That entire building is just for children's church. And then our upstairs on the two-story building, we have a youth room for our teenagers. On Wednesday night, they go out and do their own thing. Please pray for our teenagers. My kids are so excited at what's happening. They are so excited about Deacon Keon and his gift to teach and the way he loves on these teenagers. And please pray for him. Pray for our teenagers. You know if you have teens or if you ever were a teen, which we all were at some time, that's a transitional time, and we want them to fall in love with the Lord at an early age so they don't have to go through a lot. I want to talk to you tonight, just slow it down, midweek Bible study, and share with you some things from my heart about prayer because I am convinced that we don't pray enough. And the Bible is full of information about prayer. And we've been reading through the Gospels. We read the Gospel of Matthew, and then last month we read Mark. We were reading Luke this month. Next month we're going to read through the book of John. And as you read the Gospels, you see Jesus constantly going to prayer, getting up early in the morning, going to pray, going out late at night, praying through. And we, if you read the Bible, you're going to see so much about prayer but if you talk to the average Christian about their prayer life, if you can get them to be honest with you, you'll find out that prayer is lacking inside the church. And in our text, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, there's a comma there. You always want to pause when you're reading the scripture. Pause on the punctuation. Digest it. Take it in small bite-sized pieces. Dear brothers and sisters, who, who is this passage of scripture talking to? It's talking to Christians. So if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a believer, this is relevant to you. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the church here under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he says, we can't help but thank God for you. This is the heart of one Christian talking to other Christians. He said, we talking for himself and the other apostles and the other leaders in the church. He said, we can't help but to thank God for you. I don't see that attitude a lot among Christians. I, I would think if I was writing that passage to be honest to Christians in 2016 in the average church in America, 
I would think it would say, we can't help but to gossip about you. We can't help but to criticize you. We can't help but to say all the dirt we know about you to somebody else. Because that's what natural people do. But we've got to remember, when God saved us, if he saved us, he called us to new life. And we got to have a new way of looking at things. And we've got to have a new heart, new mind, and a new thought process. He said, we can't help but to thank God for you. And he says, because. So he's going to give a reason why. He said, your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. The Apostle Paul was used by God greatly in the first century. God used this man to write approximately half of the New Testament. He was the leading apostle on the planet during his lifetime. And the thing that he saw in fellow Christians that caused him to rejoice and to thank God for them was twofold. Their faith was flourishing and their love for one another was growing. And I want you to really this week check yourself on that. I want you tonight, just right now, not out loud, but in, in your mind, honestly ask yourself and answer the question, is your faith flourishing or are you just holding on? Is your faith flourishing, which is to be being made bigger and being something glorious and beautiful to look at? Is your faith, is it on display? Could somebody see your faith and say, man, I just, I thank God for you so much you know so many times because there's so little supernatural stuff to look at we look at natural stuff in the church and I mean I can remember Deacon Cliff and there are other people like but I just use him as an example because he you know part of our church for so long people used to say about Deacon Cliff all the time I I just love being around Deacon Cliff because he's so uplifting he's so encouraging let me tell you something Deacon Cliff was an encouraging uplifting guy before Christ he was most handsome in his class, most likely to succeed, homecoming king. He was the big man on campus. He was Mr. Florida football and Mr. Florida baseball his senior year. He still holds records at Clay High for athletic accomplishment. Cliff's just always been that awesome guy. Okay, So there are people whose just natural personality lends to say, man, I just I feel good being around that person. And that's cool. And you need good people in your life like that. But some, whether your personality is outgoing, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, your faith is on display. The question is, does your faith cause anybody to be thankful to God for you? So you might think that your faith is not on display, but it is. You might think that you're not really out there representing Christ, but you are. We all are. The Bible says we are his representative. So everywhere we go, we're representing Christ. The big question is, are we doing it in a positive way? Are we doing it in a proper way? When people see you, when people hear you, if someone was to have spent the last week with you, listening to all your conversations, watching every text, email, social post that you made, if people were in your house or even in your head, would they say, man, I'm just encouraged by your faith. Your faith, it just, it just makes me, I can't help but to thank God for you when I think about your faith. And I think we know the answer. I think all of us could strive to do better. The Bible commands us to walk worthy of the vocation of which we've been called. We've been called to be God's followers. There's an effort that has to take place in that church. We've got to strive to be the men and women that God wants us to be. These things will not happen without effort. 
The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You got you, you to gotta let God have control of your mind. Because if you don't, then you're just going to think in your own mind. And I've told you before, I've had people say, Pastor, I almost gave them a piece of my mind today. Well, the world does not need a piece of our mind. The world needs us to let the mind of Christ rule in us so that they can see that our faith is growing. Your growing faith ought to be bothering somebody, especially if you hang out with lost people. If you got lost people in your home, if you got even unspiritual people in your home that claim to be saved, your faith ought to annoy them. Why? Because if it's growing and they don't like it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bug them. Don't be shocked if your faith is bothering somebody as long as you know that it's for the right reason. Now, if you claim in Christ and live in shabby, then your faith's bothering them for the wrong reason. But I've heard people say, you just talk about God too much. Listen, nobody talks about God too much. I've heard people say, oh, she's just so heavenly minded. She's of no earthly good. Nobody's that heavenly minded. We all need to grow. Say grow. Okay, so he said, man, I can't even help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. See, the Apostle Paul understood what Jesus taught when Jesus walked this planet. He taught that the two big things were to love God and to love each other. Jesus said, this is how everybody will know that you are following me by the way you treat each other. Now, if you look at the way people are treating each other in 2016, that's not always a good example of what Christ told us to do. And Paul said the two things that inspired him to pray for people, to be thankful for people, was he saw their faith growing and he saw their love for one another growing. And I want you to know everybody in this room needs to grow in their love for everybody in this room. We need to grow in our love one for another because the thing that God blesses is unity. Always remember that God is our Father. He could have chosen to reveal himself to us in any kind of way. And he has chosen in many ways to try to relate to us so that we will understand more about him. He revealed himself to us as a boss and us as his workers. And absolutely, he is definitely that. He also has revealed himself to us as a slave owner and us as his slaves. And that's a hot topic in our country. But if you realize that he bought us, he purchased us, then you're glad to understand that concept. But more than any other thing in Scripture, God has chosen to reveal himself to us as a father to children. And if you understand how a father thinks, then it's going to help you to understand how God relates to us. I can tell you how a father thinks because I am one. And I have children living in my home. And one of the things that I want more than anything is unity. When we're in a car, driving to and from church, driving to and from the grocery store, driving to and from somewhere to eat, wherever we're going, in the car, I want unity. In my home, I want unity. I want my kids to get along. I want my kids to love each other. I want my kids to treat each other properly. I believe that's the heart of every parent, but we need to understand that's also the heart of our Father. He wants us to get along. So here's what I came to tell you tonight and ask you to do. Examine yourself and see, is your faith flourishing? And is your love for other believers growing? Because if it's not, here's the good news. God makes room 
for a turnaround. And I believe that in many ways, even as Lisa shared that she's thankful for her job and she wasn't always that way and she's having an attitude change, that's a turnaround. And we all need to have a turnaround. We all need to find out where, what area of my life do I need a turnaround in? Maybe it's the way you treat your spouse. Maybe it's the way you treat your children. Maybe it's the way you relate to your boss or your workers. Maybe it's in your prayer life. Maybe it's in your Bible study. Maybe it's in the amount of time you spend being thankful to God. But I believe it's good news that God accepts turnarounds and he makes space for us to repent. I want to read to you something that I've been uh, digging on this week in Luke chapter 11 because this subject of prayer is so vital. If you want to be a better Christian, you're going to have to pray. Wanting to be a better Christian and not willing to pray is just not going to get you anywhere. That, that, that's just pie in the sky. If you really want to be the man or the woman that God wants you to be, you are going to have to pray more. Say pray more. We need to pray more. Listen, in Luke chapter 11, from our book of the month this month, in verse 1, the scripture says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. They knew he prays more than we do. He's praying and we ain't. He knows more about this than we know about it. So they wanted to properly be called his disciples. Now, what you need to ask yourself is, can you call yourself a follower of Christ? You can call yourself saved uh, because, you know, if you believe in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but unless you're really following him, you're not a follower of Christ. You're not a disciple. I remember we went through that series, um, a follower or a fan, and many people just like Jesus but aren't really following him closely. And his disciples came to him knowing that they wanted to replicate his life. They wanted to imitate his life. They wanted to follow him and be like him. Do you realize if you hang around people long enough, you'll start to take on certain qualities that they have. You'll start to act like them a little bit. Uh, Deacon Jimmy has told me sometimes when he's getting on Nancy's nerves, she'll say, stop acting like your pastor. Uh, you too much like him right now. If you hang around people you will start to uh, take on certain things. You'll, you'll find yourself talking about things that you've already talked to them about because it's something you guys relate to. And they knew they needed to take on qualities that were important to Christ. And they knew that John had taught his disciples to pray, and they were asking Jesus to teach him to pray. I'm going to rush through the next eight verses to get to somewhere, but I want to pique your interest in this passage tonight because I believe it's so very powerful in Verse 2, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. He didn't say this is what to pray. He said this is how you should pray. This is more of a format than it is uh, something to be recited. He said, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, verse 5, Teaching them more about prayer. See, Jesus understood the importance of teaching on prayer. The disciples understood the importance of being taught on prayer. And so he's teaching them more about prayer. In verse 5, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. 
And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door's locked for the night, my family and I are in bed, I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your, look at those last two words, shameless persistence. Shameless persistence. Verse 9, Jesus said, and so I tell you. See, he's finished with the story in verse 9. He starts with a story in verse 5. He finished the story in verse 8. And in verse 9, he says, and so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened unto you. Now, I've told you for years that when you are reading a parable, a story that Jesus used to teach from, do not try to assign value to every part of the parable. Parables are designed to teach one main point. Say one. People want to know, well, what does this mean? Well, why do we have to ask God so many times? Well, well why, why, why did the man say no? And why, uh, can we change God's mind? All those different questions based on this parable are not proper. Because God's only trying to teach one main point in this parable, and it's persistence. It's persistence in prayer. The, the moral of the story is what to look for, not to try to dissect every portion of the story. I've had people email me, why would God say no? Can we bug him into changing his mind? That's not the point of the parable. I mean, we don't bug God into changing his mind. He just wants us to be persistent in prayer. And I want to tell you tonight that if you've ever prayed for anything, you need to be still praying for it now. And if you've been saved for a long time, you probably have prayed for a lot of things. And if you don't have a prayer list, you need to get one. You need to write down things that are important to you that, you, that remind you what to pray for. And you need to take that to your prayer closet. Your prayer closet may be beside your bed. Your prayer closet may be in your office. Your prayer closet, wherever you shut everybody else out to spend time alone with God. It may be your living room, your den, wherever it is. Don't let it be your car because you can't shut the world out in your car. Birds flying by, horns honking, sirens coming by. Wherever your prayer closet is, you need to take a written down prayer list so you can remember what to pray for. See, some people will remember to pray for uh, Elder Robin and Tabitha on her mother's passing this week and the, the funeral that they're attending this week. And some people will forget, but if you write that down, and you take that with you to your prayer closet, it's going to help you remember. But in verse 1, the reason why Jesus told the story, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Nobody has asked me this week to teach them how to pray, but I want to give you a simple format for prayer. We've, we've looked at lots of different biblical formats for prayer, and I don't believe people are using them enough. And I told you guys that what I was going to be doing on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights in our Bible study time was slowing things down and giving you things from my life that have helped me to be successful as a Christian. And this is one of my favorite reminders in prayer. This is one of my favorite formats for prayer. And if you've got a great memory, you, you'll remember this. But if you don't have a perfect memory, you're going to want to write this down. I was taught the first year of my salvation, 1981, 35 years ago, 
this format for prayer. And it's based on one four-letter word. It's based on the title of the fifth book in the New Testament. Anybody know what the fifth book in the New Testament is? Acts. So it is based on this word Acts, A-C-T-S. It's a fourfold formula that will remind you what, how to pray, and it will help you spend more time in prayer. Because the moral of Jesus' parable in Luke 11, that it's shameless persistence that gets rewarded. Not every now and then prayer. It's shameless persistence that gets you what you ask for. That's why Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on knocking, so keep on seeking, and you'll get what you're looking for. We've got to be persistent in it, and most people don't spend enough time praying, so we got to find a way to spend more time in prayer. And I believe if you'll think about this word, acts, as you pray, and these, these concepts I'm going to share with you in the next 10 minutes, that it will help you spend more time praying. Because if you don't start praying more, you're not going to get more. If you don't start spending more time in prayer, your life is not going to change, and the things you're asking God for are not going to come true. And I'm telling you this, you do not want to stand before God and have him tell you, if you'd have prayed for that three more times, I was going to give it to you. Didn't we just see that? You don't want to stand before God and have to say, if you'd have just prayed for that one more time, I was going to let that miracle happen in your life. God rewards shameless persistence. That's not a new concept biblically. This is not an isolated teaching of this concept. The scripture tells us God rewards those who diligently seek him. Most of us aren't diligent enough in any aspect of our life. That's why if you talk to somebody who's losing weight, they lose weight and then they do what? They gain it back. Why? Because they stop being diligent. We've got to make sure that we stay diligent. Now, this is simple. This, is, this will help you spend more time in prayer. This is my goal, that you will spend more time in prayer. The first letter in the word Acts is A, and that stands for adoration. Adoration is just to pour your love out. And I want you, when you go to prayer, I want you to spend a significant portion of time telling God you love him. You say, well, how do I do that? Put your personality into it. But if you can't think of anything better to say, say, I love you, God. And say it again. And say it again. And keep saying it. My kids, and, and anybody that's been around my kids can, can, can tell you, in, in my home, in my car, anywhere we go, my kids probably say, I love you, Dad. It's like walking in a room, I love you, Dad, walking out of a room, I love you, Dad. You just said that 13 seconds ago, but that's just, that's how it is. It's, it's a constant, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I never get tired of my kids telling me that they love me. And God never gets tired of you telling him that you love him. But there are other ways other than just telling God that you love him. You can tell God things that you love about him. You really want to show somebody that you love them? Find ways to tell them how awesome they are. Find ways to tell them how great they are. If you read the Bible enough, you'll get words from the Bible to talk to God about. Because the Bible says that God is great, that he's mighty. That, that he's stronger than any other God. 
He, he's higher. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And you want to learn how to tell God good things about him. That's showing God that you love him. And when you pray, I want you to concentrate on spending a large portion of your prayer time telling God that you love him and telling God all the good things you think about him. Tell him that you love him because he forgave you of your sins. Tell him that you love him because he's never given up on you. Tell him why you love him. Tell him that you love him because he never changes. Tell him that you love him because he's willing to keep loving you in spite of you. And spend time. You say, every day, the same stuff? Sure. You're one person. You've got one mind. You've got one tongue. You only have so many ways you know how to express yourself. But until you learn new ways to express yourself to God, continue to tell him what you told him yesterday. I still love you, Lord. I've been in circles where people stand around in a circle and they have that prayer like everybody in the circle prays. And if you don't want to pray, you just squeeze the person next to your hand and they pick up and they pray through the circle. And I've heard people say really fancy prayers and I've heard people say, you know, really big words and try to sound impressive in their prayer. And I've always been more moved by that new Christian. And I've heard people just awkward and, and be like, God, it's John. And I don't know how to pray as good as these other people do, but I love you and I'm, I'm glad that you saved me. And I think, man, that's just the best prayer this whole circle ever prayed. If we could just all pray with that level of sincerity, God is Scott. And I'm glad that you love me. And I'm thankful that you love me. I'm thankful, God, that, that, that you've done all this. And tell God, not just what you're thankful for. We get that into in a minute. But, but tell him why you think he's so good and why you think he's so awesome. The second letter in the word Acts is C. And that C stands for confession. You need to confess your sins to God. This is what the Bible teaches. You need to confess your sins. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. Many theologians have referred to that as the Christian bar of soap. That's how you get your hands cleaned up. You confess, God forgives. You confess, God forgives. You confess, God forgives. I love what it says in the end of that verse, though. It says he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. To feel clean in the presence of God is an amazing thing. Because your mind and the enemy and your haters don't ever want you to feel clean in front of God. They want you to feel dirty and ashamed. They want you to feel the weight of sin, the stain of your, your imperfection. But God says, when you confess your sins to me, I clean you up perfectly. And you have no flaw on you. And you need to make sure that you're confessing your sin to God. And I believe it needs to be very specific. And I believe you need to keep short accounts with God. Don't try to get to the end of the day to ask God to forgive you. Because you might need God to help you along the day. And I can tell you this, as a father, if my kids are fussing and fuming and fighting, arguing, if, I mean, if my kids do something wrong to me and then come ask me to bless them some kind of way, we got business to talk to before we get to me blessing you. And they better be very specific. You see people make these apologies that aren't real apologies. You call bogus on that. It ain't a real apology. Well, uh, 
If you took what I said the wrong way because you don't have the intellectual ability to understand what I was saying, then I apologize. That ain't no real apology. Well, if, if you misunderstood what I said, then I didn't mean to say it that way. That's not an apology. You need to be very specific in your confession of your sin. God, I know what I just said was wrong, and it didn't honor you. And I apologize for speaking to my brother that way. I apologize for, God, I know that thought I just had was impure. And I apologize for that, God, and I ask you to forgive me for even the wrong thoughts in my head. You need to be very specific in your confession to God. Because my kids, I, my kids can't come to me with, uh, you know, whatever I've done bad, God, uh, Dad, please forgive me for it. Well, what are we talking about? Just everything. I ain't throwing no blanket over your forgiveness. We need to talk about some things specifically. And I believe that your confession needs to be very specific. Now, if you've been specific in your confession and you're close to God, and you've spent time telling him how much you love him and giving him reasons why you love him, then after your specific confession, if your heart is, and God, if there's anything else that I've done that was wrong, please forgive me. See, that's not a false confession. That, that's not a bogus apology. That's a sincere throw a blanket over anything I forgot. And thank God that he's loving and he sees your heart, and he will, because we have a, we have a gracious, forgiving God. But acts, adoration, confession, the T stands for thanksgiving. If you would just take time to tell God how much you love him in adoration, you'll spend more time in prayer. If you will literally get specific confessing all your sins to God, you'll spend more time in prayer. And then you come to this portion of your prayer life, thanksgiving. You ought to be able to spend a lot of time right here. Because the scripture commands us to thank God for everything that he's done. Everything. He left air on the planet today. Did you thank him for that? People who are having forest fires in whatever region they live in give God thanks for the rain. But people who get rain too many days in a row complain for the rain. So it's not so much about the rain as it is about the willingness to be thankful. If it's raining a little, God knows what he's doing. If it's raining a lot, God knows what he's doing. If your candidate's winning, God knows what he's doing. If your candidate's losing, God knows what he's doing. If, if your day is going great, God knows what he's doing. If your day is a struggle, God knows what he's doing. Can you thank God for your struggle? See, we, 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 we hear people thanking God for new jobs. I've heard people thank God for being fired. Not because they hated their job, but because they knew God was at work in their life. This area of Thanksgiving, church, is where you need to spend a big amount of time. Do you thank God every day for every person you know? Well, no, Pastor, I don't have that much time. No, you have that much time. You may not have that much time to do that and all the other things you want to do in life. You might have to give up a TV show. You might have to give up some, some radio, some singing. You might have to give up some time on the Internet. You might have to get off the telephone and lock your telephone up. Let me give you a hint. If you use your Internet device while it's charging, you use it too much. 
That's a sign from God. It's out of gas. Leave it alone. Well, I can't be without my phone, Pastor. That's what's wrong with you. That's why your faith is not flourishing and your love for other people is not growing because you're on the Internet too much. You're on your phone too much. You're on your device too much. We got tablets, notes, notebooks, pads. We got every kind of device in the world. I, there's a commercial going on right now that this mom's on a train with, with her daughter and some kids sitting next to her daughter, and she's like, my daughter was thankful that she could charge her phone because there was a place on the train to charge her phone. And she's laughing and cutting up with her friends, and the mom says, and I was thankful that my daughter rediscovered the original social network. People, people like, ooh, I, I got 10 new friends this week on social media. How many real friends you got in life? Busy talking to all these people, getting likes and thanks and, 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 and all, all this ink from, from people on, on a friends list. Talk to the people you love. Remember what mama said, send me my flowers while I'm living. When's the last time you left a note for somebody? When's the last time you, you called somebody and left them a message? When's the last time you, you told somebody that you love them, that you were thinking about them, that you're praying for them? Okay? We need to spend a lot of time in Thanksgiving. I believe if, if you're not calling out by name every person that is connected to you, you got room to grow. The Bible says that you should thank God for them and ask God to help them. Dear God, I thank you for Jacob. I thank you for giving me a son. When people said we'd never had to have a child, God, I pray that you'd help Jacob. God, I pray you'd help him in his schoolwork. Lord, I pray that you'd help him get along with his classmates. God, I pray that you would help him to have good people. There is so much time that we could be spending in prayer. We would have time for little else, and we would be the better for it. We're not the better for all the things that we're doing. We'd be the better to pray. I can't really think other than reading God's word and serving the Lord and spending time in direct fellowship with the body of Christ, I don't think there's anything better that you could be doing than praying. And see, so people like to do what is easy for them to do. I love to read. I love to study. I love facts, figures, information. I love to learn new things. I could read, and I do read. I spend all day, every day, reading. The majority of my time is spent reading constantly. It is a miracle unto God that at 53 years old I've never worn a pair of glasses I've never had any any anything to help my vision and I stare at computer screens and internet devices uh, cell phone uh, iPad uh, Surface Pro all the time I'm reading constantly because that's that's in my wheelhouse some people like to sing and they just have music going all the time music on all the time and that can be good, and that can be beneficial. My reading is good, and it's beneficial. You're having music on can be good, and it's beneficial. But no matter what your personality is, and no matter what comes easy to you, whether prayer comes easy to you or it's hard for you, you've got to shut everything else down and pray. Some of y'all let y'all's kids listen to music while they do homework. And y'all really think that helps them. It does not help them. It is a scientific fact that there has never been one human being alive that was able to multitask. 
Our brains do not multitask. We singular task multiple things at one time, which is to take attention off one thing while sharing it to another thing. Oh, no, Pastor Scott, I'm a great multitasker. I can do 15 things at one time. That's exactly what you're doing. You're doing 15 things at the same time. But it's 15 things. And you're giving singular attention to each one of those things, even if you're doing it all in the same time frame. We need to learn how to be in the moment that we're in. You ever been around somebody that you could tell, even though they were there, they weren't there? I see that people in the room all the time. I, I, I see their body present, but they ain't there. We need to learn how to be in prayer. Shut everything else down and be in prayer. The reason why we have music to pray on our times of consecration is to drown out farting. <laughs> hey, that's true. And snoring and burping and stomach growling. You don't want to hear all that? That's distracting. And listen, people with deviated septums, nose whistlers, we got to drown that out some kind of way. But here's the thing. If that's you doing that alone in your room, you don't need music to drown that out because you ain't distracting nobody. That's you. You're very well accustomed to your nose whistling. And you don't even pay attention to that. We don't play me, And the music that we play is unrecognizable and has never been played anywhere else before that that music was made for us but for the it's not music from songs because you know you if we played the music to a song you'd be singing that song in your mind how many of y'all think you can sing a song in your in your mind while praying absolutely y'all only can't imagine all the things i'm doing while i'm preaching all the things going through my head at, at, at the same time that i'm talking you need to shut everything down, and you need to spend a massive amount of time in Thanksgiving. If we had time, and I went around the room tonight, we could probably be blessed by what people be thankful for. I have been doing this for a long time. My Thanksgiving tradition is routine for me. Before we eat, we go around the table, and if we have guests, we make them participate. We go around the table, and we say, before we eat, I want each person to take a second and give us one thing that you're thankful for. And it's always, it always gets me, and it always ends up in crying. Uh, I'm an emotional person. I thank God for that. God gave me a soft heart when he saved me. But I know that if we went around this room right now and we listened to people talk about what they're thankful for, we could be blessed. We could be encouraged. And I want you to know when you do that to God, he's encouraged. He likes hearing you tell him what you're thankful for. And if you have children and they sincerely were to pull you off to the side, put their head on your shoulder and say, Mom, I love you. And you're a great mom to me. And, I'm th and they told you some things they were really thankful for. That would encourage you. That would mean the world to you. That would swell your heart up, and that would make you want to bless them all the more. And I want to tell you, God wants to hear what you're thankful for. He wants you to thank him. You need to thank him for the people that are in your life. You need to thank him for your ups and your downs. 
I know it's not easy to thank God for things that don't go your way. But if you realize that he knows what he's doing, you can thank God for knowing what he's doing in the midst of your struggle. Knowing that he's going to work something out because he said all things work together for good to them that love God. Knowing that in spite of what we don't understand, he's bigger than our understanding. And I want you to spend a lot of time telling God that you love him. I want you to spend a lot of time being very specific in confessing your sins. I want you to spend even more time thanking him. Do you have carpet in your house? If you do, you ought to thank God for it. Even if you don't like it, thank God because it's there. Even if it's dirty. If you don't have carpet in your house, thank God that you don't have carpet that you have to vacuum. If you have a toilet, I, I wonder. I wonder if it, it, when the last time you thanked God for the toilet in your house. I told you all about my grandfather. My family was dirt poor cotton farmers in Louisiana. And my grandfather thought it was gross and disgusting to have a toilet in, in the house that they built. It wasn't until the end of his life, for the last few years of his life, that he lived in a house. He lived in a shack. My mom grew up in a shack. You could see the snakes crawling under the, the shack. Her, her house looked more like a barn than it looked like a house. And it was a shack on a cotton patch in Louisiana. And when her dad, my grandfather, and grandmother finally built the only house that they ever lived in, he was not about He said, that's just gross. Pooping where you sleep? No, not me. And he walked down, and it was a good little walk. They built the house up. The street from where the old house was, and the barn was next to the old house. And he still walked down to the barn every day. And he did his business in the barn because he wasn't about to, you know, do his business in a house. Well, I thank God that we don't have to find a barn to go to, especially on cold nights. Now, do you, have you ever thanked God for your toilet? Probably not. Hallelujah. You better thank God if you have indoor plumbing. If you have air conditioning. Especially in Florida, if your car has air conditioning. When's the last time you thank God for heat? A blanket to lay under. When's the last time you thank God for a pillow to put your head on? A job that you don't really love that much. I mean, when, we got to learn how to be thankful. When's the last time you thank God for your brothers and sisters in Christ? That allow you, listen, here, here's my concept, and people don't get it, and that's why we don't have a million people coming to this church. I honestly believe that one of the biggest things that me and the staff of this church needs to do to function as a church, one of the, one of the key things we need to do is just unlock the door and let you in. What if we didn't? You couldn't be here. See, I don't believe that it's, it's our job to sing you happy or to preach you happy. It's not. You have a job to maintain your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ outside of what we do in this church. We ought to be thankful that there's an unlocked building where we could come together and call ourselves Christians in a room full of other Christians. Thanksgiving is not just designed by God to be one day a year. You need to be open in your mouth. God says that praising him is when the fruit of your lips are giving thanks to his name. I know that 
I take a really long time for communion. We probably have the longest Lord's Supper service of any church on the planet. But I don't want to be, we do that to make sure that we remember his suffering. Because he said, every time you do this, you remember my suffering. But I don't want the only time in my life that I remember that Jesus died for me on the cross was to be when we're having communion. When's the last time you thank God? The Bible says by his stripes we're healed. That our chastisement was on him. When's the last time you thanked him for paying your price for salvation? It's a lot of things to be thankful for. The word is acts, A-C-T-S. That S stands for supplication, which is just a big word of saying asking. Just a big word of saying uh, that grocery list that we normally run down. Most people's prayer looks like a grocery list that they're shopping for. God, please do this for me. 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 Please bless me here. Please bless me there. Please take care of this and please take care of that. We need to do a whole lot of praying before we get down to asking. You know, kids oftentimes are smarter with the way they deal with their parents than we are with the way we deal with God. If you know your kids, you know when they're about to ask you for something. They come in with all that buttering up. They come in loving on you, confessing their unworthiness to you, confessing how much greater you are than they are thanking God for you and how how much you've done for them, you know there's something about to be asked for. Do you know why they're that way? Because that's how God designed us. Before you ask for something, you need to love on them. Before you ask for something, you need to make sure that you have handled your confession and cleared your deck. That's why I say keep short accounts with God Ask God for forgiveness quickly. Try to remember all your sins at the end of the day. The Bible says that God will not hear the prayer of the unrighteous. And he doesn't listen to people's prayer who are holding on to their sin. You got to clear that off. You got to get that out of the way. You won't be trying to talk to God and him like, hey, we got business over here first. Handle your business so you can get to your supplication. And this is where you ask God. For the things that you want. This is where you ask God for yourself and for others. And I think if we'd be honest, the majority of what people pray for is asking God for stuff or asking God for stuff for others. Asking for God's blessing for us or asking for God's blessing for others. And I want you to know that's not wrong. God commands us to let our requests be made known unto him. God commands us to tell him what we want. Thank him for what you have and tell him what you want. This is scriptural. But it comes last. Say last. I'm going to get out of here because it's almost time's up. But I want you to think about this word acts. A-C-T-S. I want you to use this in your prayer life. I want you to use it. I want you to have four very definitive portions of your prayer time. I want you to take an entire portion of your prayer time just to tell God that you love him. And just to tell him how great he is. Just to say good things to him. I want you to take a very big portion of your prayer time. To make all your confession right before God. To confess all your sins. Everything you can think of. And I don't have time to talk to you about sins of omission and sins of commission. But there are things that we do that are wrong. 
And there are things that we leave out and that we don't do that we should have done that are wrong as well. So it ain't just about asking God to forgive you for what you've done. you got to spend some time asking God to forgive you for not doing the things you should have done. I want you to spend a really definitive portion of your prayer time in thanksgiving. Just thank him for everything. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. That ought to be easy this time of year. Because every day I hear somebody saying, they're doing Christmas, we ain't even got through Thanksgiving yet. Thanksgiving should not be a day of the year. It should be our heart to be thankful to the Lord. And then this, this, this supplication part, I guarantee you, if you spend a large amount of time telling God how much you love him, if you spend enough time confessing all your sins to God, if you spend a large amount of time telling God how thankful you are to him, you'll be better prepared to ask him for what you need and to ask him for what those that you care about need. And you do need to be asking God for what you need. He's told us that. And you need to be asking God to bless other people. It's scriptural. Paul said, the thing that I love seeing on you, the thing that makes me just have to give thanks for you is I see your faith growing and I see your love for each other growing. It's not going to happen without prayer. And we got to pray more if we want more. And I want more for you. I want more for you. I want to see God flourishing in your life. I want to see your faith grow. I want people to be able to point you out in a crowd and say, man, that's one of them real Christians. Because that's what gives God glory. Pray with me, Lord. Thank you for this time together. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you would help us to spend more time talking to you, telling you that we love you, confessing our sins to you, thanking you for all that you've done, and asking you for everything that we need. God, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ. And I ask you to bless us as we go in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.